What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Pressing Forward, the podcast. Maisha and Diana are with you today. And Diana. We also have a special guest on the line, Crystal Perez. We'll get into her introduction in a little bit. First and foremost, I want to thank everybody that takes the time to listen to the podcast, to subscribe to the podcast. Again, we stream on all major platforms. So wherever you stream, wherever you stream your favorite podcast, hopefully it's Pressing Forward, the podcast. We would love to continue to keep the engagement up. We also want to thank you guys for your patience. We had a mix-up with scheduling. I've had a crazy week, and it's only Tuesday. So this episode may come out Wednesday, but it may come out earlier than Sunday. So we appreciate you guys for just being supportive and being and rocking with us. You know, we're human. We have full-time jobs. That, that life happens. It does yeah, happen, even to us. Yeah. And then uh, we just had a scheduling mix-up, so all good. But we have, uh, like I said, we have a special guest on the line. Kind of going back to our theme that we spoke about last week, right, Diana? We were speaking about college mm-hmm. and how there's other options and everything else. And Crystal, as I mentioned on our line, has a, a great story. She has a great project that we guys want you want want you guys to learn about because she's doing trying to do great things in the city, and I think that's important. If right, Diana, absolutely, absolutely, anything to help the city of brotherly love because it's been a it's been some rough couple of months Philly's been having so. Any little ray of sunshine that we could find is good with us. Exactly. So, again, this podcast is really to educate, motivate, and inspire our listeners. And I think Crystal is the perfect example of exactly the type of story that we want to share with our listeners. So, with that, we're going to bring in our guest, Crystal Perez. As I mentioned, she is a native of North Philadelphia. Um, where did exactly, I'm forgetting where exactly you grew up, Crystal, where'd you grow up? Up north, down north. Down north. <laughs> in, in the alley area, mostly. All right, well, cool. Yeah, so, some majority of my years in, in that area. And I did spend some time in the Northeast as far as like going to school and stuff and just the way life had worked out and, you know, where I ended up. But, um, I definitely spent most of my years in the alley. Perfect. So I just want to make, see, I didn't want to just, you know, put a neighborhood on you. That's not where you grew up. But yeah, <laughs> Crystal grew up uh, in North in Philadelphia. Um, she ended up going to IUP, not IEP, as I said earlier, Indiana University <laughs> of Pennsylvania, uh, which is a, a little distance away from Philly. Um, so Crystal ended up graduating from LaSalle um, only because, if I'm not mistaken, and correct me if I'm wrong, Crystal, from our conversation earlier, because you wanted to be closer to home and you had to work and things of that nature. So LaSalle gave you the opportunity to do all of those things and still pursue your degree in education. So Crystal now is a full-time educator working in special education, um, specifically the learning support where she works with small cohorts of students um, in the Philadelphia Public Schools uh, District. Um, So with that, Crystal, what else do you want the people to know about you before we get into why we brought you onto the podcast? Can you kind of discuss your background, your upbringing, your reason for education? When you and I spoke earlier this week, you you had a great introduction to yourself. And I loved it because the main thing that you kept emphasizing, and I think this is where the Revolutionary Project comes from, is the fact that you want education to be fun and you want it to be artistic and expressional. Can you kind of explain where did that where did that desire and that passion come from? Okay, so that's a lot. I'm gonna try to uh, <laughs> uh I, I'm gonna try to go back to take the your time, take your time. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna do the best that I can do. I can't make no promises. <laughs> um I'm 26 years old. 
I'm a mother, most importantly, that's like a title that I love to show off. You know, I'm a mom. Um, I really love that job more than anything else. You know, my son is like, is everything. He really, you know, like everybody says, because y'all heard it already time and time again, but he just came and felt like a blessing and turned my life upside down and, and all for the right reasons and the right ways, you know? So I just like to put that out there. And, um, you know, I'm a daughter, obviously a sister, um, an educator. I've been teaching now for five years, or this will be my fifth year, actually. And um, I really enjoy what I do. I feel like it has started a long time ago, even as a young child. It just was something that I enjoyed doing, just being up in front of my sister, really, and, and, and making her listen to all my little lessons and color all my little leftover pages I used to get from my first grade <laughs> teacher, Miss Bowling. And, you know, it just seemed, it, it was always fun to me. Like, I always remember observing my teachers real deeply and just really wanting to do my best and wanting to make somebody proud and stuff like that. So I guess it kind of, you know, stemmed there. And um, just eventually, like, later on in my life, it just became clear to me that education is important. You know, knowledge is power. That's something that I grew up hearing a lot of um, from my father. You know, my sister and I were raised with our dad mostly. Um, when we were eight and nine years old, we're real close in age. Um, our mom, you know, she moved out of state and we ended up, had our custody was given fully to our father, you know. And um, we just spent a lot of time under him. You know, he was our dad and he was our mom in ways. And he he was our teacher at home and he he was our friend, too. You know, some people may have judged that whether it was right or wrong, but, you know, nobody's perfect. And to me, my life growing up, it it was it was traumatic in some ways. But in other ways, I feel super blessed. You know, it's it's not common that you see girls especially growing up with their father you know you see girls and boys growing up with the mom or both or with the grandparents or whoever you know there we, we got all types of different situations but um something I got used to was growing up with my dad but then every time I would start that new year in school like my teachers would be like oh so you live you know they'll automatically be like oh what's your mom's email or what's mm -hmm. your mom's phone mm -hmm. number or something and, and then when you got to give them the whole breakdown and the story and the background of they're like fascinated they can't wait to meet my dad on to parent teacher conference <laughs> and you know then then they fell in love with him and then my friend's parents like now you just recognize as a young child, even that there's these outsiders now that are looking at you like, wow, you know, this girl's coming up different and people show me their sympathy like, wow, you're growing up with your mom and you're without your mom and, and you're a female and. You know, she was around and she was present. We would talk on the phone or we, you know, anytime we had a break from school, we would go visit her. But it just it just wasn't the same. You know, when you have scheduled times to talk to your mom on the phone and you feel obligated to go about that schedule like that, it's like parenting is not supposed to be that way to me. You know, now that I'm a mom and I just have had time to, and years to really sit on it, you know, but anyways, um, another thing with that, my mom is a teacher. She's a, she's a, or was a high school English teacher. And now she's a vice principal, you know, going for the principal thing. 
And um, maybe it stemmed from her as well. You know, maybe I, I had that instilled in me a little bit because she has it instilled in her in some kind of way. And she's very artsy and creative. And I always remember her very young, you know, when she first started teaching, when we still lived with her, like how excited she used to be about putting her bulletin board stuff together. And, you know, so in that way. And then again, like my dad's artsy, he did the graffiti thing. He can draw real well. And he he created a career out of his craft without even having an education. And, and he does construction and, and he does plumbing and he does all these things that, you know, are kind of looked down upon if you don't go to school to get them. But they are possible, you know, so he, he was like an inspiration in that way. And he showed his creativity in that way. So I, I get it from both ends. Um, like I was telling you, Maisha, a lot of people used to say, oh, you're a teacher like your mom. And, you know, in all honesty, it would bother me a little bit. And I wouldn't say nothing about it. Yeah. Not, not really like my mom. I feel like I'm, I'm I feel like I'm a teacher like my dad, you know, even though he may not have went to college and all that. And, um, you know, whatever the expectation is supposed to be he still had his own lessons for us as children. And, and another thing he used to do in his days was DJ. Like he's really big with music and hip hop. So a lot of the ways he used to teach us was through music. You know, that just was his thing. That was his way. And the artists that he used to listen mm -hmm. to, you know, three, three main artists that I thought about for this episode to share, because I hope, you know, whoever hears this, they will go and listen to this music because it really can be impactful, it's meaningful, especially if you love hip hop music and you feel, you know, strongly about these topics that we're discussing, then is no doubt that you're going to, you know, be attracted to this music. So three of the main artists, I would say, are um, Guru, G-U-R-U. Gifted Universal, or, or what is it? Gifted Unlimited Rhymes Universal. See, that was one of the lessons I had to learn. <laughs> That's what the letters stand like for, you and, and a lot of people know it. A lot of people know him as Gangstar because Gangstar is what he was considered when he worked with uh, uh, just a DJ, DJ Premier. So when him and DJ Premier would work together, he was the only rapper, but that together they called themselves Gangstar. So you probably be more likely to hear mainstream songs through looking that up rather if you just type in Guru, but you'll find his music either way. And he himself is a college, grad, uh, a college graduate. His father and his mother, you know, they have a a loving and healthy relationship. They always stood together. They raised him together. And and his father's a jazz musician. So he has like five albums called Jazz Mataz that all have like these different flavors and artists on them. I mean, if you're really into music, it's, it's no doubt that you, you'll love it. And also the second one I would say is Rakim. Like he's still one of my favorites. He has a lot of good oh, yeah. um, educational music and um, yeah, there's a lot of messages. You know, kind of recent thing, 2000. To, yeah, yep. And then third, I would say, um, is Dead Prez. And Dead Prez, I mean, that when you hear their music, it could be real, real hardcore, you know, but it's it's real. And when you hear it and you've experienced things in the songs and it, it just gets you hyped. Like, that's what I listen to when I... When, you know, I need some motivation and right. I know things aren't right. And I know I got to keep pushing myself to doing what I'm doing. That's what I listen to, you know. So those three artists right there were me change, uh, more that. so than anything else. I love that. So 
going back, I love I loved what you said about one thing that kind of stuck out to me um, based off of this conversation was how everyone just assumed that when you say you, everyone just assumed it was mom at home, right? And that's not something that you hear that men raising uh, children or specifically females, which is awesome for your dad. And for you to say that he was like one of your first teachers. I think that's mm-hmm. really, really cool. So the reason Crystal kind of spoke a lot about art, and I hope you guys see the passion in her education side, but also the art side and understanding that we want to talk about the revolutionary project. That's why we have you on today. And when I discovered the Revolutionary Project is because a friend of mine had put up a post. um, You were having a session. Um, It was like, uh, I think they were making, it was like a book club or something. Mm. Um, But specifically, when I read your mission of the Revolutionary Club and I saw your passion, you know, you're saying you're passionate about education, you're a loving advocate. Um, But then when you said you you find, I'm trying to remember the exact terminology, how you used it, um, you find art to be healthy and an expression of of a form of expression. So can you speak about what the mission and where did the Revolutionary Project come from and what that mission is and what you hope to accomplish? Well, first of all, I'm teasing because I love that that part stood out to you. You know, that's meaningful to me. And is very encouraging. So thank you for that. And um, I mean, you started in the perfect place. Like the mission of it is just to, to know and understand and truly believe that art is the deepest form of expression. You know, when, when we get rid of all these materialistic things and the way this the society and systems are built around us, all we have is us. So... When we think about us, it's like you can't just let yourself be out here being anybody. You you have to be you. And I have this sign up in, in our room that we use for our book club and, and other workshops. And it says, life is not about finding yourself. It's about creating yourself. Cre- creativity is like one of my favorite words. I create, creative, I creativity. I it, mm-hmm. it really, it roots to so many important things in our lives. And that really resonated with me. Like, that, damn, that's true. You know, life, we shouldn't be out here trying to discover who we are. Like, this This is it. You, years go past. We all know how fast time can pass. So it's like, if this is the time that we have, what are we really about to do with it? And to me, it's just, if we can impact the youth in a way that I was impacted at, at those ages and, and you guys were impacted at that age, where, where can we end up? You know, like, there's so much that we can do through expressing ourselves and, creating ourselves because that's the thing it's like art isn't just a a paper and and paint art can be so many things art is writing art is talking art is listening art is music it's and like you said it's it's healthy it's healing you know when when you do whatever it is that you find out when you find your twist in art you know because there's so many different twists that you can have when you find what fits you it's like wow you can have a a a bad day or something just happened to you or maybe you want to say something to somebody who's important to you but you don't know how to put it and we're going to say it in another way or you don't want it to come off wrong like these are the things that we need to be teaching children because knowledge and the things that we learn go far beyond you know what happened hundreds of years ago and 
you know, learning words that they're probably never going to use. Like I'm not putting down vocabulary and, and wanting the kids to know more, but I, I'm just trying to look up for the perfect example to say, I, being in the school and the classroom, I've seen us be given a curriculum that there's just things in it that it's like, what am I going over this for? You know, like if I have this time with the kids and I know what's best for them, I, I have to, I have to do all that I can do to give them everything that they need. And a lot of the times that has to do with what, what we're talking about, like knowing yourself. How can I teach you to know yourself? How can I teach you to create yourself? How can I teach you to be confident in yourself? A lot of that starts with leadership, the ability to be a role model, the want to be, the desire to be a role model, you know, because you can't just give the job to anybody. Like you, you have to really be conscious of the way that you move and, the, and and what you say and how you say it because kids essentially copy everything, you know? So you, you have to really be aware of what you're bringing to the table as the educator and the role model and, and the leader. So, exactly. I mean, it's, it's, just a, it, it's just a way, art and creativity is a way that I can promote productivity, um, stimulation, to the mind, to the body, to the soul, all those things lead to creating positive relationships. And then once you have all that combined, it, to me, that's perfect combination for success. Because once you got all that under your belt, it's no telling where you can end up. And that's what I think is scary to certain people. Like they, they have been trying to stop us for a long time. And it's just time that... We just go ahead and do what we know we got to do. I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, personally, for me, I would say that my favorite form of art would have to be writing. I love to write. I, I got me that too. from my mom. I do love to draw and paint. Um, both my parents, actually, my mom was a very, very talented with, with art as far as like painting and drawing. And my dad, he he's um, actually pretty talented, like you said, like your dad with graffiti and stuff. So that's pretty cool. Um, what would you say, you know, is your favorite form of art uh, with the things that you've done with the students that you're that you're with? Um, what, what, yeah. What would you say is your favorite favorite piece of art or a favorite type of art that you do with the students to help really get them to see that that creative side of them? Well, I think reading is important. You know, that's why. Like you guys mentioned, I have the book club. Reading is a form of art and it's all about what you read. You know, we all have personal interests. We, we have to. And we learn this in school. When you study education, you're studying arts and sciences. Like that's what you graduate with a degree in arts and science. So something that they teach us is, um, damn, I lost my thought. <laughs> Sorry, Ooh, we sorry. just no problem, no look, problem. yeah, because because I started thinking about like, oh yeah, I know how I want to answer this, and then I got, <laughs> oh my goodness, no, too, I mean, too many keep talking about juices the are flowing. Club. Yeah, keep talking about the book club. Like what? what oh, made reading, you start reading, reading, reading. When yeah. you choose. When you choose what you read, that's important too. Like how I'm saying the curriculum is given to us. We have no choice but to read certain things. But the books that I choose for book club are books that 
I looked up myself. They have themes and topics in them that I know the students are going to relate to. So once they see that relation, that's it. That's all you need. And that's that's also what they see in me. You know, that's why I think it's important that even though the job is not well paying and I'm always I mean, at work, they probably think I'm like, I mean, I know how they see me at work. At work, it's like, oh, here comes Perez. Like, she's going to say this. She's going to say that. And the people that don't want to hear it, they call me the complainer, you know, because what else, how else are you going to put it in a negative light? Like, I'm trying to do what's best for the kids and you're putting it on me as a complainer. So it's just like we when we choose what they're going to read and we know that we're choosing it based off who they are because that's how the classroom should be. It should be led by the children. How can you teach children that you don't know who they are? They don't know who you are. Y'all can't relate to each other. Y'all don't know each other. Y'all don't have a rapport. Y'all don't have a bond. How are y'all going to work together all year? I'm spending more time out of the day with you than your parents are spending with you. Like we have to know each other. It's And that's why we get so close, you know, and I never forget their names and they never forget me because it's just something it, that you build together, you know. So that's when not taught in the classroom. That is not taught in the classroom. Nope. Like it's so in college, it's not exactly. taught in college. That's something you have to learn to be there for the students. And I think that the issue that you know I've seen, I've worked in education. I've worked with kids majority of my life, and I think that when it comes to teachers. I think that they a lot of times just look at it as black and white. It's just like, okay, I'm here to teach you math. I'm here to teach you science, here to teach you whatever. And oftentimes I feel like, especially with minority children, they fail to see them as a person, as their own individual person. And it's just, oh, you're just a student that's passing through my class for this year. And that's it. And I think they fail to make that relationship, to, to build that relationship with the students a lot of times. Yeah. Like, and you think- know what? I know a lot of teachers. I'm sorry, Maisha. I know a lot of teachers that have really good intentions. You know, we all do. But then you get there and you get 30 students. Then you get all these other things that come with it, responsibilities you're up working all night. You come home trying to feed your own children and you're so tired and stressed out and thinking about this student. And that's it. Teachers, to me, you find the heaviest and biggest hearts in schools. Like not all of them are the best, but most of us that are in there are there because we really, really share this passion and love for the children. And it's not even the teachers that's failing them. It's the system because then and then a lot of people, the teachers are not leaders. Most of them are followers. So then what happens? Just like we see in school with the children. Oh, well, oh, Perez, this is just just get used to it because this is what we have to deal with. And you'll see you. And I'm sitting there like, what? This ain't what I'm about to deal with. Like, there has to be something else there. Ha- I've been dealing with problems and running into complications my whole life. And my only option was to find a solution. What can be done? How can you make this better? What? How can you take the best out of this situation? and who can you affect and those are the types of things that I'm asking myself while I deal with these situations and that's where the revolutionary project came from you know what I I mean there's so much passion in what you're saying um one of the things that really stuck out to me when reading and researching about the revolutionary project um and in a second we're going to come back to this but I want you to kind of touch on 
the things that you offer, not things, but the opportunities that you offer to children. But before we get to that, one of the things that really stuck out to me was you focus on self-aware, uh, self-awareness, self-confidence and self-esteem and just knowing and understanding, you know, and encouraging like that is so important because that, like Diana said, like you said, that's not taught in the classroom and it's not the teachers, it's the system that's put in place. So I know like you have educational workshops and a book club. Crystal, if you can, can you tell us exactly what educational programs you have with the Revolutionary Project? Okay, well, I'm going to try to bring it full circle because once I start talking about some one thing, I, I'll keep going and going and I feel like <laughs> I didn't answer Deanna's question all the way because I started saying reading is one form of art that I really like to use and encourage. I think it's important. Um, it's, it's enjoyable. And also writing, you know, like um, she said, I also like to write. And I like for my students to write and reading and writing go hand in hand. The more you read, the more prone you are to writing. The more you write, the better you're going to be at at reading. So the, those two things just go hand in hand. And um, I, I, I like music. Like even when we have our workshops, I'll put on like um, jazz or classical instrumentals that study music. And now they have like this modern jazz where I don't know if it has a different name, but they kind of just put like these, these other little like tunes in it. Like the lo-fi music? Uh, I don't know. I don't want to say yeah. (laughs) But, but I really enjoy it. And, and I know that they do too, because I can see them zone out when it's on, just playing in the background real low and, um, listening is a form of art. You know, I love to listen to my students' conversations. I love when they take over and, and and just start talking. You know, the students that you don't even see talking on the regular basis, they start their own discussions and then you see those students talk. So I'm not right. going to cut them <laughs> off and say, oh, guys, come on. You when, when I'm in school, sometimes I feel more obligated, like, oh, I got to get to this, that, and the third. I got, I got, you know, I got to rush this conversation along. But when I'm doing my own thing, it's like there there is no rush. I'm on y'all time. Whatever, wh- however our conversation gets led, that's where we're going, you know, because all of those things are important. And especially when you're trying to get them to collaborate with one another and have these positive, meaningful relationships and just have that healing of being able to talk to someone. Like you'd be surprised how many of these young children don't have anybody to talk to, you know, and then we got to think about those things. And anyways, um, all all of those forms of art we use through different workshops so far, like the book club, which is one day a week. Um, There's a chapter book that we read, obviously, in their age range of the students that I work with is a three hour session, usually on a weekend day. Um, they, They come over now where in my home, actually, I had an extra room in my home and I turned it into, um, you know, a little mini classroom, essentially. And um, that's where we have the book club. So they come, we read, we eat together, um, depending on what types of donations I have at the time um, and things like that. I can sometimes gift them things. Um, I always start off buying raffle prizes. So in order to encourage art outside of what we do together during book club, I buy things for them that they can use on their own time. 
Um, and then, you know, I wrap them up and they love that. It's like an incentive that gives them something to look forward to. Um, I pick one winner every week. So it, it also allows me to see how grateful they can be. You know, it's just one more thing that makes me happy and makes me feel rewarded is just to see their reactions to something so little um, that they just are like, wow, my name got pulled this week and I'm, I get to choose something. And just those, all of those things are important, you know, and it's easier to do when you're working with a small group of five to 15 kids and 15 is even a lot. I take that back. Let me just say five to 10, because that's about <laughs> how many students I have. Yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how many students I have. Um, you know, during my classes. So right. I love all I love again the reason we had you on here is one to show that education isn't painful, right? Especially when you align it to what children are already used to, right? They're used to art, they're used to music, they're used to being able to express themselves. And whether that comes in the form of drawing a picture or reading a book, but also seeing that. What I thought was interesting was like you guys had a poetry slam. Were you guys able to actually do that or was that um, you had it scheduled to do a poetry scam? Were you guys able to do that? Okay, so that came about because the book that we were reading during those workshops, because I'm now on the second book with the second group of students. So that first book, one of the themes in it was poetry. So the other teacher that I work with, Ms. Banks and I, we said, well, how can we bring this book to life? Because that's another thing that we like to focus on is bringing that book to life. If they mention something in the book that we know we have easy access to, for example, like one of the characters, Sneaky, was selling candy and they they would name like three or four candies he would sell. We could bring those in and give them to the kids and just read that chapter and and pop out with that, you know, like. Little simple things that you can do to just bring the book alive. In the book that we're reading now, the girl, the the little girl, she's writing letters back and forth with her dad who's in prison. And he mentions a lot of songs that he listens to and thinks about her. So as soon as we read that part in the book, I'll start playing on our little radio that song. And I'm like, look, this is the song. And they're like, whoa, that's the song. Like, I mean, it it could be the littlest things, but you just have to be thoughtful. You know, you have to want to do those things. And those things have to excite you because it's not for everybody. You know, I, I understand that I have a certain liking for things. But anyways, that poetry slam came about because the theme was poetry. We studied poetry. We wrote poems. We brought in two poet mentors that worked with the children and they really enjoyed all of that. So we said, you know what, to give them something to look forward to, to congratulate them, to celebrate them and everything that we have accomplished. We're going to make them get dressed up and we're going to put on this big thing and have all this great food and have their parents come out and be so excited and and give them something formal. And, And they absolutely loved it. We absolutely loved it. Like, you know, when you have them times where you're like, oh, my God, I don't want this night to end or I don't want this day to end. It was one of them (laughs) types. Oh, my goodness. It was really it was really, really 
enjoyable for everybody. And I mean, just looking back on the videos and the pictures and seeing how they grew and developed and and and, and like we mentioned, that self-esteem, that self-confidence. Now we get to see it in play because they're comfortable with each other at this point. They read the whole book. They met the author. They interviewed her. They felt important you know they felt like they really really did something and they were really a part of something and they were it ain't even just they felt like that's what it was you know we all were a part of something and that's just how we got to celebrate it this book now I don't know how we're going to celebrate it because I'm like a take it one step at a time type of person I used to overwhelm myself with making long-term goals and all that but you never know what God has in store so I have just learned to go with the flow and accept things as they are make the best out of situations and just go with those ideas when they come to me which may be Right then and there, you know, I never knew what the revolutionary project was going to be to me. And one of the things that you wanted me to be ready to answer was, um, what do you uh, what do you hope to accomplish? And I said, wow, you know, it's one thing to think about next steps, you know, realistic next steps. But I I don't know what the revolutionary is going to project is going to turn into. You know what I mean? Like, I I, I don't want to set the bar too low and I don't want to set it too high. I just kind of am going with the flow of it. And it has already turned into things that I could never imagine. So there's just no limit on thinking what something can be. I love that. Um, One thing I want to tell you is I think you're undermining yourself a little bit. What you hope to accomplish is change in our community and you're providing that exact You're doing opportunity. It. You are so already doing it. We are giving you applause and flowers while All you can still applause, smell them. Everything. Because it's so important. We need more people like you, like Deanna and myself and, and the people that you work with because in order to make change, somebody has to start it. Somebody has to do it. And you're doing exactly that. You want to see a change in our education system? So here, you know what? Be the change you want to see. Exactly. This is what's wrong with it. This is how I'm fixing it. And although I'm working with five to eight to 10 students now, no more than 15. All right. Don't overwhelm <laughs> yourself. But you're making those steps. It starts that small. And then all it's going to do is just snowball. And it's people listening to this episode. Guys, if you guys have ideas and you want to see something, nothing changes until you make it happen. So if it's something that you can change, make the change. That's why we started this podcast for people just like you to share their story, to hopefully inspire somebody else that has the same burning passion because we can feel the passion. Deanna, can you oh, feel the passion? Oh, absolutely. And I'm loving it. I'm here for it. I'm living for it. You got this, boo. So <laughs> really what Thank I, you. like I said, this was, the, we, this was the podcast, this episode is exactly what we wanted. We wanted to shine light on the Revolutionary Project, the great work that you're doing in the community but also to allow others the opportunity to learn more about what you're doing and where you're located. Honestly, I didn't know your classroom was in your house. That that legit looks like a classroom. So <laughs> kudos to you for it allowing really people does. to It really does. I saw it on um, Instagram and I was like, oh, this is really nice. Right. So before we kind of leave everything off, um, I want you two things. This is what we, what we do on the podcast. Two things you want our listeners to get out of the Revolutionary Project and what you have going on just just two things if you can share those with us oh man (laughs) I gotta I gotta think I gotta think about it if I'm gonna limit it to two things I mean number one always I would just say to just share love 
You know, you never know who needs it. And with children, especially like if you have that opportunity, whether it's with your own children or nieces, nephews, um, grandchildren, students, whoever the young children are in your life, um, just try to influence them in the best way that you can and always show them love, show them positivity. Um, and follow the lessons. You know, if you if you follow the Revolutionary Project page, I like to put detailed things on there so that if you don't feel comfortable with or it doesn't match up with your schedule to have your child in the book club or you feel like it's not accessible to you or whatever the case is, do it with your child at home, you know, amongst yourself or if you're babysitting or whatever, you know, because I remember being that older cousin, like I enjoy spending time with my little cousins and I used to do stuff with them. Like you don't have to be a teacher or take that career to do those things, you know, always take that opportunity that you have with them. Like you see them on the tablet or the phone or the, the switch or whatever it is that they're doing have a conversation with them, you know, about anything, make them laugh, see, see what they want to talk about, ask them questions to try to engage them and, and find that, that happy place for them that makes them want to open up to you and do it in a positive way, you know, just allow that child to feel comfortable with who they are and, and speaking out to people and all that kind of stuff, you know, because I feel like our, our social skills are not as good as what they should be, mine included. You know, I'm not even sitting up here saying I, I'm the best communicator all the time, but if we can work at that together, you know, that's definitely a message that I would like to put out there. And um, secondly, as far as the Revolutionary Project, I'm just going to go ahead and say, I'm going to go with my first mind. Um, like my good friend and, and mentor always tells me, um, go with your first mind. And that just was, um, as far as donations, like there's so many ways that that can look. So if you don't feel comfortable with giving money or, you know, whatever the case is, there's always things that I post that you can buy directly or um, don't cost more than $3. You know, like I don't want anybody to feel like they have to send $50, $100. Like if they see other people do that, that's in no way, shape or form what I want. Like um, $1, $2, $3, whatever, it can go a long way. You know what I mean? There's so many. And sometimes there's not even money that we're asking for that we're in need of. Like a lot of the projects we do come from recycled materials, you know, and that's another thing that's very important to me, like global warming and educating children on what's happening in our world and how can we make it better and how can we respect the earth it, so that it can do for us, you know, in the way that it's supposed to. So just collecting certain items or, you know, I had somebody donate a table, like I'm moving, this table's too small. You want to like any, you know, anything, think of us in, situ in, in any situation, like, before throwing something out, is this something that we could donate that would be beneficial to a learning environment? You know what I mean? So just there, there are so many ways that you can support and it doesn't just have to be in a donation. The more donation, the better things can be. You know, I'm not saying that 
where everything is just free and, you know, things come easily because they don't. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm working out of my home. I had to open up my home. My home is very important to me. I don't even welcome people on the regular. Like my students are here more than what adults are because I'm that personal about my home. So for me to do that, you know, that speaks volumes and I do eventually want to be in a bigger space. You know what I mean? I, I do want to have more teachers and more students like we're limited right now. So the the bigger the things, the donations start to come, then the bigger the vision can be. So I'm, I'm slowly but surely learning my way around things and, you know, letting time and God do what they do. But um, th- those are in the next steps. So as far as helping the Revolutionary Project and what you can do, it can be a small donation. It could be a large donation. It could be something in, in between. Um, and it could be something as little as sharing a post and following the page and just talking about this in regular conversation amongst family and friends. Like instead of having that regular kind you hear somebody coming around you talking about somebody else, something that you don't want to hear, you know, cause we all hear small minded conversations. So if somebody's coming to you with some small minded conversation, say, you know what, let me tell you about the revolutionary project. <laughs> you know, how, how is somebody so going to turn? And, and if they turn down having a conversation about children, and what's best for them then you don't need to be sitting there having that conversation with them and you're welcome because I just took somebody out exactly. to like that wasn't meant to be there <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> Crystal but, uh, I appreciate you coming on and and you know giving us your your knowledge and your expertise but most importantly your passion that's so important that just it it gleams right through the how you speak and everything that you stand for. So with that, I want to just plug you in real quick. If you guys want to follow Crystal and her journey with the Revolutionary Project, please be sure to follow them on, well, like them on Facebook, but also give them a follow on Facebook at the Revolutionary Project on Instagram at the Revolutionary Project, all one word. And I believe your email is therevolutionaryproject70 at gmail.com. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. That's Perfect. Correct. So please be sure to follow Guys, as a person uh, that has a nonprofit program, donations doesn't mean money. It's not monetary. It means time. It means effort. Anything, sharing a post, like she said, being able to bring up this this topic amongst people. Word of mouth goes a long way. It 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 hasn't hasn't died down. We got to go back to it. So again, Crystal... Thank you so much for your time, your thank energy. You, thank you, thank you. We appreciate you. We appreciate the Revolutionary Project and we hope and can't wait. Hopefully we can bring you on, you know, in a year from now. You tell us, you all got more space. we can hear more about the big things that you're doing. Exactly. Uh, continue know, to strive right? <laughs> and, continue to, and continue to make that difference. That, that's really what we are striving for with the, with the podcast. Um, and that's cer- certainly what you're doing in the community. So we appreciate you again for coming on. Again, guys, follow at... The Revolutionary Project on Instagram, The Revolutionary Project on Facebook. And any questions, inquiries, any donations, anything, feel free to email them at therevolutionaryproject70 at gmail.com. Crystal Perez, thank you again so much. So I really just wanted to thank everybody who took the time out to listen, you know, from beginning to end. Um, anybody who is going to go look into that music, anybody who's going to go follow the page. And then also to you guys, because... Um, at the time that you reached out to me, 
I just felt like I was in a place where things were steady and I was kind of putting pressure on myself like, all right, Crystal, so you're doing this, but what's next? And what is it that you're supposed to be working on? And you're not doing enough. Like, you know, we always hear those voices too. So just you reaching out and asking me to come on is very meaningful to me. And um, it's definitely encouraging. You know, it helps me feel like I am making a difference. And it's just like a sign, a divine sign, you know, keep doing what you're doing. You need you need a little motivation right now. All right. I got you here. It is. It's it's these two people who are willing to invest in you and, um, you know, your time and their time and putting you on this platform and just sharing you with their community of people. And that and that's really what we should be doing and what we should be using each other for. So I just wanted to thank you all for that. We appreciate and thank we you appreciate for it so much. Exactly. For again, just giving us the opportunity to uplift your voice on our platform. But what's going to happen is our platform and our community of people are now going to be connected to your platform. And your now they're your people. people too. So this is just going to be a snowball effect. And that's what the pressing forward podcast is. So again, we appreciate it with that guys. This is the end of pressing forward the podcast. We'll see you guys next week. Continue to spread love and positivity in this world. Be like Crystal. Be a difference in your community and in this world, all right? Continue to spread love, positivity in this world. We need it. We're out of here. Peace.